0: You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard show.com Brought to you by Bradshaw and
1: Bryant.
2: Who, me? Well,
1: <laughs> so I'd like to really know if I was married singer. to a what horror piece did? of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you could just look at her license.
3: My it's a
1: special stripe. It you
2: was know, amazing. A oh there. my gosh! <laughs> Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions.
6: everybody to yet another episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by bradshaw and bryant kicking off the show this week we had dr john huber discussing why socialism is not really actually a good idea because humans right next
0: We are back, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, Dr. John Huber. How are you, sir? I'm amazing, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Well, I know you're amazing, but I'm just talking about how's life. <laughs> you know. Oh, it is.
7: Uh, it is blessed. I mean, I am I cannot complain.
0: It is amazing that you're on today because I was just thinking about you. Americans have shifted dramatically in what values matter most, Yeah, I saw those numbers, and it's, um, you know, Dr. Hubert, uh, when are people going to stop getting so angry on a daily basis? It cannot be healthy for them or society to be so angry every day. God. Well, it's not. It's not healthy at all. And and that's
7: part of the problem, you know, that we are driven – by a lot of different things. There's no one reason why this is happening right now. It has to do with a lot, you know, we're taught uh, to, to take criticism, but not taught how to take somebody who's telling you you're doing well. So whenever somebody does tell you that, the first thing you think is, what are they, what are they trying to get from me? You know, because <laughs> they they've got they <laughs> this. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just saying thank you and go on about your business, at the same time, you know, our politicians use this anger to divide the nation, so hopefully they get to stay in power, and that's ultimately their goal. They don't really care if they do what they're saying for you or if it's in their right. interest. Politicians want power, and, and they want to hang on to that power once they get there. Um, it is that, then you got this news cycle that, you know, we used to have subscriptions to newspapers, mm-hmm. and it really didn't matter. I mean, yeah, they would lead with certain stories so that, you know, the newsstands would, would move more, but the subscription base was their bread and butter, and if it wasn't on the front page, you know, it was going to get read. Now, we get we get click-throughs. That's how they get their, their income. There's no subscription base. The advertisers pay right. per click, so they put the bloodiest horrible, most emotional headline, even if the story doesn't support that, and they get click-throughs, so people believe that this is happening all the time, you know, it's just like they talk about how horrible these mass shootings have, they've just blown up. Well, if you look at the definition used by the FBI over the last 12 to 15 years, they have not increased. Mm -hmm. In fact, we're at 19 this year, and we've been averaging between 20 and 30 every year, so we're just below average. And, uh, you know, but they want you to think that it's happening every day in every grocery store and public school in the nation. And it's not. But they drive that home. At the same time, we have these young people who parents have been trying to shield them from the pain and they've never let them learn coping skills, coping mechanisms. So now all of a sudden, you know, they hit the streets at 18 or 21, 22 when they graduate college. And there were no jobs available. And they wanted to go back under the shelter of mom and dad's wings. And a lot of them did that. And they weren't pressured very hard to get out and do all that kind of stuff. And now the, the vice of, hey, free things. I want that. Right. Uh, right. It's, it's too easy for them to just fall for that. And, you know, they, they never really learned their history because education shifted over to teaching for a test so that they can, quote, unquote, increase their graduation numbers. It does not necessarily teach our people what we need to know. And it's, it's multiple combinations of that. And you add things like absentee parenting, use of, of cell phones and, and, and computer screens to raise your children, things like that. And man, it, it's, it's amazing. It's not as any worse than it is.
0: No, Dr. Hubert just off topic for one quick second, because you know, with your qualifications, I said you're qualified. Did you hear that? Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, explain to me, and again, I know this is off topic, but I wanted to ask you this anyway because I thought of you when I, I saw it happening. Harvey Weinstein's in court being charged with more crimes, and the judge has to tell him to get off his phone in the courtroom. What is he doing? Got, what is that? He's got, he's got a phone in the courtroom? Yeah. Seriously? He was looking at his phone in the courtroom while they were discussing the case and the judge had to tell him, get off your phone in the courtroom.
7: Wow. What does Man, that been, say?
0: It says a lot. Yeah. Uh,
7: you know, I, I go to court for my, my clients and stuff and, and a lot of times in lower courts and I mean like misdemeanor courts and you know, they walk in and the bailiff's first one, you know, if you're going to have your cell phone, it has to be off or I'm confiscating it. Right. And I, I've been in courtrooms where the judge actually imposes a $100 fine if you want your phone back if you use it during the court proceeding. And this is a high level court talking, you know, serious felony issues, and he's letting the guy sit on his phone. That's pretty sad.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, the judge said, get off your phone. You, you can't be. On. What basically it said to me, and I, that's the, the thing I wanted to ask you the, the psychological aspect of this is, I'm going to show you that I don't care about anything and I'm in charge here. That's what I got from it, just being, being that cocky. It's just I want to make sure that you understand just who I am here.
4: Oh, we lost Dr. John Huber. Let me give him a call We back. did? Yeah, his phone must have dropped.
0: I think Harvey Weinstein just got off his phone, and
8: it ruined all <laughs> communication. Uh, yeah, and and that's exactly what it is. That was a power play. It was. That Absolutely Harvey was, was doing. It's just a year are you know, this is secondary. This is a trivia. this so trivial. Exactly right. mat, this trivial matter. This a trivial matter. You know, it's, it's 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 like oh, I put the fence on your property six inches too far above. Well, this is nothing. This is nothing. we we'll just move right. the fence. That's nothing. Let's not talk about this anymore. No, you're
0: one hundred percent right. right. It, it's just unbelievable. Well,
8: what was when he had his phone? Was he on? Well, you know, I think what we should know is was he on Twitter or, gr- or was he on uh, Grinder? Oh, he might have been on Grinder. Grinder <laughs> or what's the other one? Uh, Tumblr. A Tumblr or t-
0: yeah. did you have to s- <laughs> swipe right? No, we're just talking. About Dr. Huber, that 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 was such a power play by Weinstein. It's like you know, this Definitely. is all secondary. You know, I got more important things to do than be here.
7: Exactly. And and I think he, he snubbed the court some more by going through, and the imme- immediately after the charges were filed, he was divorced in about two weeks, and his wife ended up with about 90% of his assets. That's so right. Those yeah. people who go after him and try to ruin him, they've only got 10% of that, yet his offspring and his family have the rest to go on with their life
0: with. Uh,
7: so that's somebody in his nose at the courts, too, I think.
0: Well, that's just kind of who he is, apparently. One of the most arrogant human beings ever born. Um, as far as the younger generation is concerned, and by that I mean the 18 to 34 people out there. I had been talking to quite a few of them, and they seem to be a bit more conservative than the millennials. I, and I guess the millennials are still late 20s, early 30s, but that would, yes. be, that would be the low end of millennials, wouldn't it?
7: I think so, and... And
0: it is pretty disturbing, but I do see a shift back in the
7: other direction. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I go into to work with you know because I work with kids and adolescents and stuff, and I go in and work with these kids, and they're like, "What? What are those people who who are walking in front of me doing? Don't they realize? Did they never? Did they never study Cambodia? Did they never study what happened? You know, in Venezuela that they watched happen in Venezuela? Yeah, Which they've turned a blind eye
0: to." The numbers are pretty amazing, and I don't want to quote the numbers. I, I'm. Uh, do you do you have these percentages in front of you? Uh, what Americans reject and accept in the late, late uh, well, the Gallup, Gallup, poll? Gallup
7: poll? Looking at at uh, these. Now you always have to know, and and they did not cite who they you know how they randomized their selection. So you know that was the problem with the last election. They were they were uh, they were interviewing three liberals to every conservative, so it looked like, you know, right. he was behind by three or four percentage points. Well, if you're doing three to one, he should have been behind twelve or fourteen percentage points. Right. So that was that was a dead giveaway. But they in this study I have not been able to find how they did their quote unquote randomization. But they said that of the people surveyed, forty three percent said some version of socialism was good for the country. And we can sit back and argue some of the stuff they mentioned in there, socialism was Social Security. I'm like, excuse me, we pay into that. It's right. Not just that's not socialism. So that's not true socialism. Uh, but they also talked about the roads and things like that and mm-hmm. and Medicaid. And there is some of that. And we don't want our people to die. We don't want our people to be sick. It's not healthy for our country. So there's some that we should be taking care of, period. Uh, but it, by no choice of those individuals' lives you well, know, they they got sick. It's not their choice, right, right. Kind of a thing. So, um, but when you looked at ages eighteen to thirty four, it was fifty eight percent thought we should be embracing socialism and communism. While any anybody over fifty five, it was just thirty six percent. And again, I think those numbers are skewed slightly to to the left yes. due to sampling error, but. Because I walk around and, you know, when I'm on college campuses, you're inundated like, it's you know, 90 to 10 percent. You know, 90 percent are, yes, are, yes. let's be socialists. And they're driven by, you know, academia who's never actually had to produce in order to, Correct. to make their income. You know I mean? So business people know the struggles of capitalism. And, you know, they just have to go out and, and do research that people may or may not buy or be interested in to keep tenureship. And they can preach whatever... Models they want to. It's called freedom of speech, and uh, people who are driven by production and getting rewards for production tend to stay away from that. So it was yeah. a natural evolution. But they're teaching our kids that are quote unquote college educated that uh, things like like communism is a viable method. Yet there's not been a single example that, that functionally <laughs> right. worked. And we can look at Venezuela. And the minute I bring up Venezuela to my past university peers, they would just, you know, hush up. Oh, that's not relevant. And they'd walk away. And say, How is How it is not it relevant? Not it's relevant.
4: not real socialism, or it's not real communism. Oh, well, is that right?
7: Okay. What, but what do they preach here? We we're going to be different because we're democratic socialism. Well, that's exactly what Venezuela was. Mm-hmm. They went through a democratic process to accept socialism, right? And, and they give and bowed down all all. Civil rights and everything over to the government. All ownership of land and businesses, and look where they're at in three years. Over fifty percent have no electricity. Over fifty percent have no running water.
8: The the only I would submit that the only place that it really has worked, uh, like in Scandinavia, where the socialism, not communism, socialism is where you have an industry, a massive industry that's pretty much eighty percent of the uh, GNP. One industry that right. supports the socialism. And 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 that's a, that's an aberrancy to that It's not really socialism. It's a it's a it's like a company town uh, where the the company's that's, supporting that.
7: Right. But but look what else happens in that country. Everybody's required to serve,
8: mm-hmm. so
7: they have a national respect. They've all been in the military in some way, shape, or form. And that's something we don't have in this country. You know, we we live off three percent of our volunteers that defends our country, and and it's pretty. Pretty big difference, I mean a lot of these these left wing younger people, if they had served and they had seen other countries and defended people who were being harmed by socialist
0: monarchies and dictatorships, would not be doing what they 're doing today you know it 's really kind of funny. I was thinking about what you said that, that that these people have never had to produce to earn a living these you know these college professors and all the rest of it. Um, and there are some great college professors out there. It's just yes, that nine, are, 90% of them aren't. They just, like any other job, 90% of them are not very good at it. But I was thinking, well, what you said about, you know, answering, having to answer the bell when you work out in the uh, real world. And I will never forget, we, we, the KQ Morning Show, had a 30 share in the morning, by far the highest share in America. Nobody was even close. I think there was a much smaller That's market that was at a 20 share, right? So I come into work, do the show, and I leave the show, and there's a new general manager, and they're kind of crabby. I'm like, what's the matter? Oh, God. A lot of pressure on this job. I said, what's the problem? He goes, our ratings are down. I said, what? Really? They're down that much? He goes, oh, God. I said, what do we have? Oh, we're down to a 29. Oh, my God. Are you insane? This guy was actually having a fit that we were down about 3% <laughs> from a 30 to a 29. And see, I don't think college professors know that that stuff even happens. That if they can- no, they have no clue. No, they have no clue. They have no idea that that actually happens in the real world.
7: Yeah, and they go and they, they apply for research grants and they, <laughs> they get a research grant. The university comes through and gives them an increase in salary for that, get, bringing that money into the university, they mm-hmm. never take that increase away from them. So when the grant's gone, they maintain their salary. Oh then God. they get another grant, and they get another bump in pay, and that never goes away. I just what? And you have Unbelievable. Professors with absurd salaries, teaching two classes a semester because
0: they're doing research. Yeah, and it's pretty sad. It is really, really sad, as a matter of fact. What do you think is coming up with the 18- to 34-year-olds?
7: Well, I think a lot of them have never been forced to deal with a lot of adversity, and they don't have the coping skills of previous generations. I mean, when when I hear, you know, college freshmen, college graduates, College students, college age students, going on about how they have it harder than anybody else. I guess they didn't, you know, they, they, they don't know anything about Iwo Jima and, and storming, you know, the, the, the cliffs in, in Europe and going in after the Germans. And these are kids, literally kids, some of them 16, 17 years old in there, and have because of them, these guys have privileges that, that nobody else in the world does have. And yet, their life is so hard because they have, you know, bad Wi-Fi connection. I mean,
1: it's ridiculous. Yeah, right. and,
7: and I see them. Oh, I'm looking for a job. Okay, here's a job over here. I got a friend. He has, you know, he owns this restaurant. And he's looking. For, oh, no, 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 no. I'm looking for like more like a CEO type thing part
1: time.
0: <laughs> part
7: time CEO. Yeah, literally. And and they don't want. They don't want hourly wage. They need to be on salary. So, sure. You know, well,
4: sure. they think that because they have a four-year degree, they're entitled to an upper management position because they're better than anyone who doesn't have a degree, which, exactly. to be fair, like is the what the job market is, tells them. It says, if you have a degree, you're just a superior person. Oh, yeah.
7: Well, they didn't learn economics. And, no. and you know, people like AOC, she doesn't know economics. She doesn't understand what, what she's talking about when it comes to that. And if anybody has had a small business, you know, you know, the bottom line, you know, if it's not there, it's not there. You're done.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's what this show fact. is. This show is a small business that that's, you know, we have one, two, three, I think we have four employees. I run it as a small business. I don't make any money from it, but the other people do, which is why we started it in the first place. It's a family business, but people don't understand yep. that. It's like, no, there's not enough room for me to take a salary, but it was put in exactly. place for the, family. You're
7: the evil business
0: owner. Yes, I'm just the evil take, business owner. That's advantage. right. Yeah. That's very right. true. I don't and, know. I love uh, having you on. And it, it's it's it's
7: an easy way, you know, demonize people. That's what that's what we did when we go into wars. We demonize the other side, so they're somewhat right. less human. So it's easier for our sho- soldiers to put that crosshair on somebody and not think of him, Hey, he's probably got a kid at home or a wife or a girlfriend. And you think he's an he's a demon, and you pull the trigger. And every yeah. Every army in the world does it to the other armies. Mm -hmm. It is their way of maintaining superior uh, power over the others. And uh, we did it, and we have all these evil, weird, bizarre names that we've called our our opponents over the decades, and uh, it's part of that dehumanization. Once you start making somebody a little less human, all of a sudden it's real easy to hate them, and it's real easy to feel superior. So they do that now in our own culture, Mm -hmm. and we demonize these business owners and uh, you know, they, they they somehow criticize somebody for working a hundred and hundred and ten hours a week and making a hundred thousand dollars a year, but they glorify, you know, a movie actor who goes out, works six weeks
0: and makes a ten million dollar paycheck. Right. No, that's exactly right. I'm going to leave and, you with this. They didn't I didn't take the risk. I know you got to go, but I want to read one headline to you, and I'm not going to read the story, just the headline, so you can take whatever you want. But this is an actual national headline that's appearing on many news sites. So think about this, Dr. John Huber, and then get back to me next week or the week after. Okay, you ready? Yes. Help solve cruel donkey murders. Oh yeah.
4: In London people are stabbing donkeys. They're
0: stabbing donkeys.
4: Okay. <laughs> London's not a place you want to be right now. <laughs> I guess Especially not. if you're a donkey. Why would you
0: stab a donkey, Dr. Huber? Well, maybe it's a serial killer. Maybe it's just
7: one guy running around stabbing all the donkeys. I guess uh, I probably uh, is you know, true. It probably is. I
8: have a donkey in it, London. It,
7: I I, yeah, well, yeah. I can think of several reasons why that would be a social rebuttal to the fact that they've confiscated all guns and now for the first time in in their history the bobbies are having to carry firearms. Uh, yeah. You know. Yep. And because they they used to know that they were being supported by their community and if there was a bad person there they could pull, pull out their billy club and you know they would be supported by the community now they're not mm-hmm. and yeah. you know it's you know we had. What was it? We had two mass shootings a weekend or so ago, two weekends ago, and, and the last one in Dayton, the other one in El Paso. The next day or two days after, we had a mass knifing. Didn't even make national headlines. No. Two God. people killed. Several other people wounded from a person with a knife. Unbelievable. And, you know, we had 22 people knifed in an incident in, in China. So it's not the weapon, it's the people. And that's what we got to remember. The people are doing this. Jim Jones killed 920 people with Kool-Aid. Right. So, it's not the weapons. Weapons, we can make anything. In fact, yeah, we twenty seventeen we had four hundred and twenty some odd people murdered by long rifles, like like deer rifles, AR fifteen, oh, yeah. the whole combination. Yep. Yet we lost almost sixteen hundred people being bludgeoned to death by hammers and baseball bats. Oh,
4: that's not good. I'd rather go out with a rifle, thank you. Yeah, that's
7: I, true. yeah Well, but at the same time, we had forty seven thousand gun deaths, but only four hundred and some odd were were these evil weapons that they're trying to target. It's, it's really bizarre. They, they focus on the yep. statistical anomalies mm-hmm. because it scares and excites that, that primal part of us because it's so unusual that it does frighten
4: us. Well, my favorite is when they include, if they say gun violence, that statistic includes suicide, deaths from gun violence, but they never mention yep. that. They don't mention and that. And two-thirds of, of gun deaths are from suicide. So when they Two give you a number, are? they're actually tripling God, what you yeah. interpret as what it means, but it's not what it means. But they don't well, tell they you tell that you know it's not.
7: People died from guns every day, but then they turn around, and when we say, well, the FBI says we've had probably 1,200 to 2,000 people protected themselves with firearms today, and violence did not occur. Right. Oh, that doesn't count.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't count. <clears throat> so take this thought with you, Dr. Huber. Somebody in London's watching TV in a bar, and they look up, and there is Boris Johnson. And they say, oh, "Somebody should stab that Here, jackass." He
8: can throw it out for you.
0: What do you think? <laughs> uh, and somebody took it literally. Wow. That's a uh, lot of work you know, there. That was a lot of work, Doctor Huber.
7: You know, I, I don't know Boris personally. He might be that you know kind of person, but uh, I think I think that's a threat on this person, knowing that they have all the serial. Ass killings,
0: there. (laughs) The serial ass killing. We're going to close with serial ass killing, Dr. Huber. (laughs) Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Have an amazing day. You too. Bye. Best of the Tom Bernard
4: podcast.
6: John Huber on the best of coming up next we had Jordan Asher Huffman a new contributor to the Alan Parsons project
0: special guest jordan asher huffman jordan how are you good how are you tom doing extremely well you know many years ago, I, I also do a morning show here in in town jordan and many years ago i interviewed alan parsons what a nice person just a really good person oh isn't he amazing he really is just very even keel a great engineer i Jordan, he started out engineering things, right? He became a performer later on, but he started out as an engineer, didn't he?
5: Yeah, yeah. His, uh, you know, believe it or not, it's um, a lot of people know this or don't. I'm not quite sure, but his first gig was with the Beatles. Right. I, I mean, this quite amazing. You know, just the uh, the trajectory of his his contributions to the world.
0: Yeah, I you do know, no, no. He was He was an Abbey Road guy, wasn't he? Music. Yeah. I yeah. thought so, yeah. He uh, started as an intern. God, amazing. Now, how did you start, Jordan? Uh, I was always interested
5: in music. I think uh, I was around eight eight years old, I, I knew I wanted to be a part of music. I just didn't know in which way. Uh, my dad was a professional drummer before, uh, my lifetime. Um, and so I think it was just in my blood and I, I played around, uh, with drums and guitar and, and taught myself how to play piano. And then I heard, uh, vocal. I was, I was extremely fortunate to always hear great music as a child. And I, I heard Steve Perry
0: oh, God, sing.
5: Yeah. and, and that was just, I think that's what closed it for me. You know, uh, amongst many other vocalists. But Steve Perry's just, his, his magic, it just set me
0: on fire. Did you, and that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do. Have you met Steve Perry?
5: I have not.
0: Not not yet. I, I, I really hope to one day. I'm telling you, Jordan, no, Scott, I just interviewed him. Uh, I did an interview with, with Steve that was used across the country on radio stations all the rest of it spent about two hours in studio with him unbelievably nice man uh, to the point of i would ask him very personal questions he always answered them there were a couple of points where he kind of teared up during the interview because he's a very he's a very nice man a really nice man very emotional of course he's had loss in his life uh, tragedy mm-hmm. in his life and all the rest of it. But Jordan, when you meet him, you are going to be Florida. What a great guy he is. He's amazing. He gave me a big hug after the interview and said, man, that was so much fun. Thank you. Great
3: guy, oh, man. Yeah. It
0: seems to be a pattern, you know, with, with such, um,
5: monumental artists, you know, with, with their artistry, it, it yep. seems that they're all, they're all really solid people you know there there's no not a whole lot of ego or nope. or any other motivation
0: behind their art it's just real you know humanity yeah you're absolutely and, right. and feeling you are 100% correct so now someday i get to tell people that i interviewed jordan asher Huffman. what do you think of that action
5: <laughs> well it's my it's my uh,
0: extreme privilege to be on on your show so thank you very much for having me oh it's a great it's a great pleasure believe me all the People over the over the years, Jordan Asher Huffman, new member of Alan Parsons Project musical team, featured on the song "The Secret." Tell me about the secret, if you would, Jordan.
5: Yeah, uh, it was it was. Uh, I mean, so the, yeah, this is my debut, um, you know, in the uh, in the big leagues. I, uh, the secret started out, um, you know, like all all of Alan's work, and I, I think any artist, you know. It, comes up with a, an idea and a true uh, passion and alternate art form that Alan is uh, interested in is magic. And um, so he wanted to write something close to him. Uh, and that's, that's how the, the secret was born essentially. Um, so we all, uh, it, was re- it was really cool. Uh, the Alan, Announced the um, the subject matter, and then brought you know all of his band in, and it, and it was truly a a family uh, exploration process. You know, it everybody wrote a song, you know, regarding the their their and their interpretation of what magic is, and um, you know, some were completely li- literal, some were not. You know, because there's there's ma- magic is such a A uniform, uh, well, uniform's not the right word. It's uh, very interpretive. You know, magic could be, you know, seeing the sunrise. It could be a baby born. It could be, you know, card tricks. It could be anything. So uh, we wrote, we all wrote. uh, I wrote a song, uh, The Limelight Fades Away, and that, uh, and I wasn't even pitching it, um, and I wasn't, I didn't formally work with Alan at this point yet. Uh, he heard the song, and he asked. Uh, he, he called me about a month later and asked uh, if I'd be interested in it being on the Secret. And aside from that, me singing on the album. So, to me, I was extremely floored. You know. Yeah. Cause it So you didn't hang up it, thinking it was, it was uh, a prank. <laughs> yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. You know, at first I did. I was, I was just like, you know, that's funny. You know, I. Um, but then Alan, you know, in in his way, uh, just no. I'm very serious, and and that's how it happened. And um, and then Alan uh, got in and co-wrote with me as well, and we formulated it and and uh, you know, just really dialed it in. and And there it is. I mean, the the rest of the album uh, is. It's just, it's so awesome to me because again, Alan is, you know, giving more to the world in art and music and it's just, it's just a really, really neat thing.
0: Jordan, I have a question. Are you going to be, uh, are you going to be in Nashville the, the last week in October? Do you know if you're going to be home that week?
5: Last week of October, I think I am.
0: All right, the reason I'm asking is I mentioned the morning show that I do. We're going to come to Nashville the last week in October and do a couple of shows from down there. I would love to have you as an in-studio guest when we do that. That would be terrific.
5: Oh, I'd, love, I'd absolutely love that. As, as far as I know, I, the
0: schedule does say I'm home. Yeah, yeah, that would be great to if have you. In studio. I mean, for our 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 listeners to be able to see you sitting there talking about, you know, how this all started, talking about working with Alan Parsons. You can bring Tabitha, but I don't know about the three cats, Jordan.
5: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. Um they they like to party, you know. They'll be they'll be more <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll be
0: more active on the microphones than we will be probably. Yeah, probably true. So you're living in Nashville, by the way. Has just become it's the center of the musical universe now.
5: Yes, it, it's. Uh, it, I've been here before because um, I went to engineering school, um, not as. Uh, career. It was a career choice because music was my career choice. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I went to uh, engineering school called um, uh, the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. And part of the the curriculum is you need to intern in a professional studio oh, okay. uh, to finalize your your growth. And I chose Nashville simply because of its uh, musical environment. You know, it's uh, there is no. Alterior motive other than music in the music business in Nashville, and uh, I got to come here. And even then, you know, you walk into any club, any venue, any bar, the musicians are just
0: uh, flawless. Yeah, absolutely yeah. stunning.
1: I think John Sebastian wrote a song about that back in the late sixties. Remember Cats, Nashville Baby. Cats? They love were badass back back then.
0: They were in the late sixties. Yep. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved John <laughs> yeah, it's, Sebastian. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city um, with with wonderful people, just like everywhere. Yeah, just you pretty know? much everywhere. Uh, Jordan, you bounce back between yeah. back and forth between Nashville and, and Northern California.
5: Uh, yeah, well, Southern California. Um, oh, Southern I grew California up in Northern okay. California. Right, right. Yeah, I, I grew up in Redding, um, but uh, Southern California because uh, Alan lives in Southern California, so I go back a lot there. Um, for family and friends, but also for music.
3: Uh, Alan and I
5: still are continuing on working together with original stuff. We are in the uh, in the midst of a new piece, which will be coming out this year. If not, uh, if not this year, it'll be early next year. So we're excited about that. That will be a, just a single mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, with him and I. So. Jordan, and, you said you, uh, you said you were you you were born and grew up in Redding, California. Redding, California. Well, I was
5: born in Texas, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and uh, my my mother and father decided to move to Northern California when I was about four, so
0: we landed in Redding. Yeah, the reason I ask you that is Ryan O'Callaghan, former NFL player. He's just released a book. Uh, Ryan O'Callahan's a great guy. He was he born and grew up in Redding, California. As a matter of fact, um, oh wow, just a really really great guy. He he is an, uh, an offensive lineman, an openly gay man in the NFL. You know that that was probably. Uh, Probably a struggle, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, if you ever get a chance to talk to, her, when if you ever get back to Reading and talk to Ryan O'Callaghan, he's a great guy, really, really good. He what, st- he's still there, then. Yeah, yeah, he still lives in Reading. Yep, it's pretty amazing. I like that well, way after, you put that, George. Yeah. You go, he's still there. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, because uh, Reading was such yeah. a cool. I mean, it was it was awesome to grow up in. You know, you have the yeah. Mount Shasta right there, right, and the the lake. I mean, every everything to do you know, on, on either season was there. It's just, I left um, simply because it was one of those towns, you know, it, it, you just, I, I knew there was a bigger world and I, I yeah. wanted to go yeah. see it Yeah, and, and come into myself, you know, whatever or whomever that might be. And I knew seeing different places, meeting different people from
0: different spaces, it was the only way to do that. That is so cool. So now, how often do you work side-by-side side with Alan Parsons? Uh,
5: well, so the uh, the last major tour, um, he invited me to come yeah. uh, be a featured vocalist on the tour for uh, uh, one of his uh, hit singles that I, I didn't sing on the album, but I sang it live. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was probably... To answer the question often, um, good. whether I'm good. on tour or we're writing a song or working together in the studio, it's he's primarily uh, will be always be, you know, my producer, as long as I am lucky enough to get hit by the muse and write a, a song worth recording.
1: I, I have a question for you. I find this curious. I'm an amateur yeah. musician myself. When you write, do you do music first and then lyrics or the other way around?
5: I, I, you know that's a great question. I I like music first because mu- the chord progression. I was just talking about this with my uh, my vocal coach that the music hits me and and that's what inspires me. See, you know, I, the movement. I'm the same
1: way, and that's why I'm just floored. And I guess the most famous example, uh, but not the only one, is Bernie Taupin and Elton John. So Bernie Taupin just. Oh. Hands him a couple of pieces of paper, and it's got tiny dancer on it, and, yeah. and out comes uh, this great song. I, I don't. I, I, my brain does not function that way, right?
5: Yeah, I wish. I've, I've been, I've been studying so hard, you know, because there's there's things to learn, and I really try. My main motto in life is, um, you know, surround yourself with the people you would like to become, you know, in some essence. That yeah. doesn't mean. Try to make friends based on your own agenda. It means you know who do you want to be. You know what do you want to do. And I've I always learn the best from listening, watching, being around. You know the fly on the wall, and uh, because it just rubs off on you. And you you talk about Bernie Talpin and Elton John. I mean those songs make you cry. You know just Mm -hmm. in the sound. And I've always been about sound. One of my faults as a writer is lyrically, you know, because I never paid attention to it. My whole, you know, like, uh, faithfully by journey, mm-hmm. yeah. you listen to the, the way that feels. And then, then you listen to the words and then the two come together and that's what, but just alone in sound and movement is so powerful, even if you didn't even speak English, it moves you, you know? And yep. that's, I've always paid attention to that, as a as a musician and writer, and, but lyrics are extremely important. Don't get me wrong; it's just I am I of I'm
0: moved by music. It is a wonderful thing, Jordan. How do, how would people reach out if they want to get a hold of your material? What's the best way to reach out and, and find all the, all the stuff you? So worked I have
5: a, a website, jordanhuffman dot um, as well as uh, I'm on social media. Uh, as you introduced me, Jordan asher huffman mm-hmm. um they can always reach out there and
0: uh yeah i'd i'd, like, I'd love to meet everybody absolutely jordan shout <laughs> we shall stay in touch but i i look forward i'm hoping you're in in nashville the last week in uh in october i'd love to meet you in person and have you come in and do the show i think it'd be a you'd, you'd have a ball it'd be great to see you yeah, I, I would absolutely love that.
5: Whatever needs to happen to m- make that happen. I know, I know I'm know i here at the moment, so
0: we'll just count on it. We'll get it done. I'm looking at your phone number right now, so you won't be hard to find. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Uh, what a pleasure. Thank you so much, Tom. Our Have a great. great day. You too, sir. Jordan Asher Huffman, ladies and gentlemen, new member of Alan Parsons' project musical team featured on the song The
1: Secret. What a nice guy. Yeah, it seems like a really nice guy. Best of the Tom Bernard podcast.
6: Closing out the show, we're opening up the old boss. We're going way back to episode 292 with the late, great Flip Saunders. Next, on The Best you can read Of. Your mind. You.
9: I, can read your mind. Oh. I flip Don Shelby, how are you?
2: Good. How are you,
9: Don? I'm good. Oh, good. Me better. Is. I'm. I'm uh, playing second banana to. Uh, uh, would you stop banana. with
6: that? I'm like eighth banana, yep. so yep, I'm not there. even in the bunch. They bring me hard.
0: in when when it's basketball time to talk. Oh, is that what we do? That's well, what you mean, said. You always Flip, said that. Flip, just let I me mean, let me tell you something. He never shuts up. So Seven. that's not much of a second banana.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, then that makes for a good show.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely <laughs> does. Good question. Flip will be within just about sixty seconds. Okay. No problem. Thank you for being on. By the way, it's very yep. nice of you. Mo, definitely. <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs>
4: Our caller is here as well with us. All right, and we're going to do. We're doing, we're doing the first question interview thing at the moment. The first okay, question. You, might, you can just bring it up. Right. <clears throat> Forty-five seconds. All right. Forty-five. Forty-five. Thank you. Forty-five.
3: Forty-five. Forty-five. Forty-five.
4: 45,
0: oh, where a you 40 Forty-five. Many a tea <coughs> I'm
6: going <coughs> to Tom. Union
0: tonight. You're what? I'm
7: going to Union.
0: Union? What's that? Restaurant? With oh, the there? restaurant. Union. Rooftop? Oh, with the rooftop. I've yeah.
4: never been there. Going tonight? Where is it? Got about ten seconds. All right, here we go. <coughs> ten seconds. Tell me who.
9: I
7: thought
5: you were going to Northeast
4: Sports Radio 105 the Ticket.
5: Talk
3: to Tom right now on the ticket line. 651-989-9105. Pure sports talk in the afternoon. Sports Radio 105 The Ticket.
0: We are back on the Tom Bernard Show. Yes, we are. I just said that. Uh Tom Bernard Show at Sports Radio 105 the Ticket. Ah. <laughs> we were just saying, you know, Don, when I was a I was a young kid, when I was like 14 years old I sang that song really Tommy Edwards song because I could go many a G has to fall you sound just like it. I could do I could do a good uh, Tommy Edwards impression that's great now I'm sure Mike and Bob you know what I really like about that but, but something just happened just now Mike and Bob is we're talking around the room here at the Milf Bang studio <laughs> as Eddie Eddie McDaniel calls him uh, we're talking about your show and Sam referred to it as the Mike
10: and My Dad Show.
3: <laughs> there, there, there's there the name go. for your show. You well, Finally, I'm have
10: it. You see, we've tried to go with the Big Spit, and the Big Spit standing for so many things that I that I can relate to in, in my past. But I don't know if the program, a director, is going to like that or not. But the, the, big spit, yeah. the Big Spit, the, the Big Mike Spit, the Mike and My Dad
0: Show. Um, okay, <laughs> we do have that caller. Uh, yep. And the caller's name. We don't know. We don't know. You're on with Mike and Bob.
3: Hey, it's Rick from Princeton. Oh, Rick from Princeton. Okay. Rick, town. you have a question
0: for, for Mike and my dad?
3: Yeah. <laughs> nice thing there, Tommy, too.
0: We could. I'll just do it the entire time you're talking.
3: Yeah, right? I heard you and you're on, old. That is all but No, I game. have a question for Mike and Bob. What do you guys think the chances are uh, that they will pull Ponder? Chances are... Okay. Castle or the other guy uh, I, I don't know, if, I can't pronounce.
4: McLeod Balthazar Bethel Thompson. Okay, Alex. <laughs> she Is knows that
3: nothing. Alex the captain
4: you're welcome. <laughs>
10: um, there's a pretty good chance. I mean, I, I think <clears throat> there could be a pretty good chance if things get out of control. Soon,
3: well, I think they're uh, out of control. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've well, been out no, of I control I for that. a while I mean, now.
10: I mean, in the game, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, if it should get out of control uh, pretty quickly, I think that he's probably on a pretty short leash. See, I I think he should be pulled if he's struggling, but I I don't know that Frazier
9: will do it. I think he needs to be injured for him to make the move. Well,
3: I know, and that's that's the thing. Well, Frazier says he's going to stand by his quarterback and stuff, but, you know, why don't we see what our other guys can do? You know, why not? At this point.
10: I would have to agree. No question. I, I think that he should. I, I think that Matt Castle should start this game.
0: By the way, let me point out, ladies and gentlemen, it's one night in a row for Rick notch Wheeling. <laughs> oh, just kidding, Rick. I know. Rick. Thanks for your call, sir. All right, yep. <laughs> I want you guys to say hello to the, on the Mike and my dad show. Which I'm just gonna refer to as Mike and My Dad show from now on. <laughs> oh, that way Mike gets top billing. Yes. But Flip Saunders is on the phone with us. Flip Saunders, ladies and gentlemen, on one oh five the ticket. Flip. Andy you gotta How are you bring guys
2: doing Oh there he is. <laughs> Andy I ever I have, have run away.
0: Now, what we're doing so far is we're just bringing up titles of songs in conversation, and then I just start singing the song in the background. It's working really,
3: really well. we all roll our eyes. Well, what I want to know
2: is I wonder if you got a bottle of wine there or not. No, oh,
3: I wish. Believe me. He'll come to the studio if you do that. Well, I'll tell you what.
2: Hey, if you ever invite him to a party, he brings the best wine to the parties. I will tell you that.
3: Well,
0: those were the days, my friend. You Don't invite him we to any more parties.
3: And
4: dark, oh! dark, dark days. Oh! A shot from the missus. Uh, have you talked to Ralphie
0: soon? I haven't yet, Lately, I haven't talked to Ralphie in a long time, Flip. I'm talking to oh, Ralph, no, Ralphie. No, I have.
2: I've been, uh, um, I've been working too much, really. We've been pretty <clears> busy over here and getting ready. Our season starts in a week, so our training camp. So we're in the full swing right now, and the guys are coming in left and right, and we're getting ready.
9: That's You've amazing. got KSKA <clears throat> Moscow on October 7th?
2: Right, we got the, them coming in, so we'll go down to Mankato next Monday, stay down there for about four or five days, uh, come back on Friday, get ready, play them, and then we'll pretty much be into the full swing. We do have a, a week off, really a cork in our schedule. We actually have about nine days off in the middle of October, so we'll almost have a, a second kind of training camp during that time. So I think it'll be good preparation for what us.
9: What are you looking for, Flip? Exactly, what are you going to be looking for?
2: I think the biggest thing is you know we've had our guys in; they've been playing most of them, except for Ricky and um, and and JJ, who have been overseas playing or have been playing in there for their national teams. And Lexi, uh, Lexi got in here yesterday. But I think we're just looking for these guys to play together. I mean, they've been very competitive, in what we've been going through, how they've been playing. I think there's going to be a lot of really believe a lot of competition at all the spots. Um, and competition leads to, to better players and better practices, and. uh... Everything so uh, yeah, I'm just looking to see the competition. We've Kevin Love came in he's 238 pounds. I mean if you, if you when you look at him you go, wow and I talked with uh, Derek Williams agent and Derek's lost about 20 pounds. he's down to 236 so he's going to come in here on Thursday. So a lot of the guys that we talked to uh, over the course of the spring and what we thought they need to do over the course of the summer have shown their commitment are coming in in pretty good shape
0: now uh flip we have mike and bob Sansbury with us as well and i know you guys want some access to flip here
10: yeah I, i'm i'm uh, really intrigued by what you said about Derek williams because when you came on with us flip you were you were like what is going to happen with this kid i'm, I'm most interested in trying to find a place for him and see how he's going to uh, develop and, and maybe possibly lose some of that weight now that he's lost some of that weight how's he moving around
2: well, he's going to come in. He's been out in California working out with, actually, with Kobe Bryant's okay. uh, trainer a lot. So uh, he gets in on Thursday. You know, we told him that I thought he had to come in lighter to be able to to, to show that he could guard smaller players at the three spot. So he's, he's done the first step. You know, That's what he's done. So we'll see when he gets in there and how that transforms to how he plays, transforms playing with his, with his teammates.
9: Flip, how hard is it for you to make the switch? Because you're such an incredible player and in basketball mind as a coach, uh, to sit back and let uh, let the coach run the team and and uh, put in the plays and to manage the players, uh, how hard is it for you to not intervene?
2: Well, I'll tell you more when we get into the full swing of it. <laughs> right now, it it hasn't been really that tough, and I, and I really believe it would probably help. It's probably my year. Uh, behind the TV uh, camera at ESPN. I think that helped a lot just, um, you know, getting away from it and looking at, at the game from a different perspective. Um, you know, I just want have just been excited about having an opportunity to help try to mold the team along with, you know, Glenn Taylor and along with Rick Adelman, the, you know, bringing the players that we thought could fit in the system that Rick plays. And, and Rick's been great to me. We've got a lot of access. We talk a lot about... Uh, how how the team should play, and the, we share the same philosophy a lot, as far as in ball movement and player movement offensively and you know defensively, almost playing a lot of zone tech principles, even in the man to man. So um, I'm right now. I'm pretty comfortable sitting back and letting everything else marinate.
3: No,
0: I got to point one thing out because uh, I know Bob and and Mike got to hit the road here in a second. But the, Bob, you you ready for a transition here?
3: Sure.
0: You know, Who was the guy you said came in at 238 pounds? Flip. Uh, Kevin Love. L is all <laughs> the goodness. way you look.
1: I going to throw
0: She could sucker anybody in his hand.
1: He
2: so bad.
0: <laughs> it all works out. So, Mike and Bob, I know you got to hit the road. Flip, can you hang around for a few more minutes? Sure. Yep. But don't sound so enthusiastic for sure.
3: Yes, <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. Okay, Bernard. Yeah.
3: I'm just very, I'm very sad
2: that Mike and Bob are leaving. That's just...
10: <laughs> I, I knew there was something. I knew that we were connecting there, and you just hated well, uh, Flip, to, to, to see that we're uh, we're taking off.
2: Stay on for the whole uh, rest of Tom's show, and I can ask you a question about ten minutes when I get there.
10: Yeah, he comes in to pick up Sam, his
0: daughter. So, do you have to be uh, do you have to be off at any specific time? Nope, I'm good. As long as we get you off by about quarter to two, you're okay? So, so nine no problem. Okay. Great. Quarter? So you've been good?
2: Well, I've been okay. Yeah, I, can't, uh, I can't complain. How can you not? You can't knock the weather, and the, and the Gophers are 4-0, oh, so what's
3: better than
0: that? Well, there is that. You're absolutely right about that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over there in that basketball, that basketball program. That should be fun. Save it for the air.
3: We yeah, should ask that yeah, question
0: yeah you're absolutely yeah. right good good point <clears throat> don't tell me what well, to
2: big, do <laughs> the biggest thing'll be to see if they can last through any of those top three kids you know so
0: yeah that'd be amazing
2: uh, I don't know if they'll be able to do it and that's right if they don't then it's, you know that I mean they need they need something like that to jump start the program really fifteen to, seconds I mean that's the biggest thing. you got to close your boundaries and get the kids in, in state. That's the number
0: one thing. All right. We're back on in about 10 seconds. <clears throat>
4: okay. mundo. Brace
6: yourself. On Bernard Show. On Sports Radio 105, The Ticket.
0: We are back, ladies and gentlemen. More with Flip Saunders featuring Don Shelby is here. Mr. Basketball himself. Were you Mr. Basketball ever?
9: Uh, no. Uh, I was uh, in the running, but I got the Mr. Basketball ring in Minnesota. You did? Yeah, because wow. I had hosted the Mr. Basketball for 25 years. I hosted the Mr. Basketball Awards Oh, yeah, yeah. And at the conclusion of that, they they presented me with the Mr. Basketball Ring, which were the best moments of my life.
0: I could understand that. Flip, I just need to ask you one favor if I could do this. Uh, you have a huge your your biggest fan on earth is a uh, woman named Omni who works at Jason Davilon Studios. That's where Catherine and Alex go get their hair cut. And Omni is a huge fan of yours, and she heard you were going to be on tonight, so she she was all excited if you'd say hello to her. Hello,
2: I have to come in and see her sometime.
0: Yeah, you get that hair all doll, dolled up. That'd be That's great. Right. You sit up, sit up in that front office with a dolled up hairstyle.
3: She would come in and talk sports <clears throat> anytime. <laughs>
2: Okay, that sounds good. So I will say uh, definitely hello, and uh, it's always nice to have people that that, that love our sport, that love any, any sports really in the Twin Cities.
3: No
0: question.
9: Speaking Absolutely. of that, um, we'll come back to the Timberwolves in just a moment, because that's going to be the focus of this program. But uh, because uh, you were on that team that uh, set the all-time record for wins, Uh, at the University of uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers, and I know that your name had been mentioned as a coach, and we get Patino uh, Light, who comes in here, and uh, I'd, I'd like to hear what you have to say about the possibility of letting these horses run wild, in essence, and play the kind of up and down basketball that Patino is known for, and will it be a shock to the Big Ten to see uh, scores over seventy points?
2: Well, the, 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 what you have to understand is that the reason people haven't done that in the Big Ten because they can't win doing it. I mean, it's a, it's always been a, when I played, it was a, a physical conference. It's always been that way, um, and it continues to be that way. I mean, if you look at the teams that are. That um, that dominate that our conference. Our defensive-oriented teams. You see, Michigan State came out preseason rated number one in the country. Um, Indiana's mm-hmm. going to be good. Ohio State's good. Mm-hmm. All those teams are very defensive-oriented, and they and they do get out and run some. But uh, in order to run, you got to be able to stop people. And so um, it'll be interesting to see if if you have the talents enough in order to do that. You know, that's what it boils down. To. You got to have some horses inside to, to defend, and you got to have a good, uh, a really really good point guard. You're going to be a running type team. And so, as I say, it's not as much of how many points you score, it's how much the other team. So, if you're scoring seven, the other team's scoring 80, that's not very good. Right. So, uh, um, so, it's going to be interesting to see how it does. Um, I think I definitely believe that the Gophers will be playing entertaining basketball, which is something that people will look for. But, you know, the bottom line is in Minnesota, as we all know, it, it's always about winning, too. And, and what's happening right now in college sports is college sports are like professional. And the, Back in the old days, that, down when we played, it was probably the entertainment. They never really got on kids that much if they didn't perform. It's kind of changed a little bit now.
0: It has much, yes. There's no doubt of it. Is there, I don't, I don't suppose maybe you even think about this, but is there any extra pressure on you and the Wild since the Vikings and the Twins have been so bad? We all need to turn to the Timberwolves and the Wild and go yeah i mean this University of minnesota you're absolutely right but professional sports professional sports right so is there any extra pressure going we got to have a good timberwolves team we got to have a good wild team because this this summer and fall has been just a disaster
2: well you'd hope so i mean uh, unfortunately the timberwolves we haven't been very good either you know so um (laughs) you know know, we're 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 trying to you know to make that jump and uh hopefully we're going to stay healthy and And the addition of the players we have will put us where we're going to be extremely competitive in the Western Conference. So, uh, you know, that's what we're excited about. But there is that pressure. I mean, I I believe no matter what sport you're in, when you're in that city, you become invested in that city. Mm -hmm. And you want all the sports teams to do well. And when one team doesn't do well, as I've always said, sports is unlike any other business. Because the next day, everyone, no matter how much toothpaste they use, they got that bad taste in their mouth because you know from losing and if it's your vikings or your twins or your wild or your gophers or your timberwolves no matter what so you want to try to see all the teams do it. Well. when they don't you know you hope you can kind of you know turn the trick a little bit and get everyone in town in a more positive attitude frame
9: not only are the timberwolves up against all of those aforementioned uh, professional uh, franchises within the timberwolves Timberwolves organization itself is, of course, the, the Minnesota Lynx and former national champions not too long ago, and with a possibility of coming back with another one. Uh, do do the Timberwolves male basketball team suffer at all recently by the comparison to how good the Lynx have been?
2: No, not at all. I mean, I, uh, I believe you know we. Our guys really support them a lot. You know, they'll go to games. I know today we were down in at their practice, and they were coming in. I had actually talked for about five minutes with Lindsey Whalen about you know their upcoming series, and so there's a lot of camaraderie between the organizations, and I believe that's one thing that Glenn Taylor's done. You know, we're all one in there, and and that. uh, So I mean, I'm going to try to be at the game on Thursday. You know, rooting them on, and and, uh, I'm sure we'll have a great crowd there. And you know, and right now they are carrying the banner of, of the state of Minnesota.
0: No doubt about that. You know, let me say something as a spectator, uh, again, about professional sports. I prefer to watch baseball in the stadium. I prefer to watch football at home on television. Uh, but NBA basketball, if you let's say maybe some people have never been to an NBA game, they've never been to a Timberwolves game. One thing I will tell you about that sport is when you're sitting in that uh, arena and you're watching as an example, a few years ago, Stephon Marbury came to town, and just watching him up close, he was incredibly dominant in that game. I think the NBA features that one player more than any other sport, and maybe, you know, I guess maybe hockey might as well, but not. not I don't I don't really think so. The NBA... Right, you know,
2: if you're in hockey, you know, in hockey, you've got your line changes, the right, guys are on right. the
0: ice for you know, three, four minutes at
2: a time or basketball, you're, your stars are gonna play forty minutes of forty eight, so they're pretty much on the floor, you know, the whole time. That's that's why sometimes teams can make great improvements by getting that one star type play. I think the other thing about being there is that unless you're there and you really see the players and many times even up close, you really don't understand how big and how athletic these players are. And oh no size question. and their quickness and their strength. I mean, it, it, you, if you've never been there, the first time you're there, you are really sometimes in awe of what they do and how how they do it. I, I remember, even just I remember the first time I saw LeBron. You know, I, I saw him play as a high school player, and he was like that. I remember the first time, uh, you know, when he was a pro player, and I remember he was taking the ball on a bounce. I looked at him, and just his neck, you know, looking on the back of his neck the size and how big he was at you know, at nineteen years old, mm-hmm. you almost you're you really kind of in you're just astonished, and you're in amazement of how these guys are and these athletes. I
0: don't think there's any question about that. And it and that is what's so great about the NBA is guys, as you already pointed out, guys that are that big, you sit there and you go, Did that guy just do that? I mean he's, he's this massive human being and the athleticism is is amazing. And to see it in person well, is a whole different deal.
2: Well, I think the other thing is about the NBA. Do you notice the great players that play, they always look like they're playing in slow motion because they do it so effortlessly, mm-hmm. yet they're, when you're up close, you can actually see how explosive they really are. But many times when you're looking from afar, they do everything so easy just because of that, you know, their nature and how, how good they are, how explosive they are. And, they, and they, it's like they have their whole body is in sync and everything they do.
0: No question. Would you mind taking a call, Flip? No, no problem. All right, who we got, Andy? Uh, Rich again. Rich! You have a question for Flip Saunders.
3: What's going on, Flip? Good. How are you doing, Rich? Good. How are you? Hey, yeah. um, I remember I met you when I was a little kid, uh, I believe. Well, I hope I was a little kid, too, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't, but did you uh, at one time have a place on Clearwater Lake?
2: Yes, and I still do.
3: You still do. Okay, yeah. Yep. You were my grandparents' neighbor. Oh, okay. Do you remember Don yeah. and Ramona Hanson?
2: Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yep. Yeah, So it's. I, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that you have, as I have had, as many good times on that lake. So it's, yeah. it's a, a fun time, fun lake, and I, I still enjoy
3: it to this day. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. They lived in the the red, the old red brick house.
0: Yeah, by the way, you're talking about. By the way, since this is on the air right now, Flip is at that house right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so uh, well, I just said Clearwater Lake. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. Lake, so no one would know exactly where he. Yeah, is. I know, you're absolutely
2: right. They, nowadays, that. they can Google everything.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's Google just they,
2: go
9: to Ramona's house and you, go to the. You right. Know
3: where
2: everybody's houses at all times.
3: No, but yeah. So you remember my 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 grandpa passed away, but my grandma still. Alive. Oh. So you remember them?
2: Oh yeah, I remember. I packed out in front of their place. I used to do some pretty good walleye fishing.
3: Yes, yep. And I met you when I was about, well, I want to say about eight years old. And
2: Flip was five. <laughs> so, I been, so I must have been about twenty-five then,
1: huh? <laughs> well,
3: I am not sure. I barely remember, and I just remember my grandpa. After I met you, we were walking back to his house, and he said, "That was Flip Saunders," and I said, "Yes, well, okay." <laughs> uh, well, he's the coach of the Timberwolves, and and at the time I, it, you know, it didn't really register with me. But uh, I might have been older. I guess I don't. I don't follow basketball too much. But well,
2: well we got to change that. We got to yes. following basketball and following everything in town, every sport become a minnesota twin minnesota twin stand well i am Vikings a king's link man, man, i went wild everybody
3: as soon as it opened but it's disappointing rich it's
0: thanks for your time pal it's nice of you to call rich thank you
3: all right thank
0: you now flip i gotta tell you one time we had louis and you know louis anderson yep we had louis anderson on the cakey morning show and a nice man like i mean, think i was very excited to talk to you and talk about you know the fact that you you know his family and all that or you live by them anyway a guy called in when louis was on and he said uh, Louis, I just wanted to call and tell you that I used to work over at the Bowling Alley on Maryland Avenue with your brother many years ago, and uh, I don't know if you remember me or not. But I, yeah, I worked with your brother at the Drome, and it was quite the. And I we used to have beers again. All of a sudden, Louis goes, "Are you the one with the limp?"
8: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I, will, I will have to remember that one. <laughs>
6: Stuffed full of sweet content is a bucket of sweet Martha's cookies, but ten times more likely to be finished. Another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard podcast brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week. Jordan Asher Huffman. Dr. John Huber. And the late great the legend flip saunders thanks for listening everybody and we will see you next week